you're listening to The Mental Cast, a podcast with great discussions about mental performance training, coaching, and education and learning. Hosted by Dan Meckel and powered by Soul Performance Academy. Please check out all social media accounts at 717Soul and at Real Dan Mickle for up-to-date information, challenges, and questions. If you'd like to reach out to us here at The Mentalcast, please email us podcast at 717soul.com or podcast at Dan Mickle, and we will get back to you and may use your question for future episodes. You can also use the hashtags Ask717Soul and Ask Dan Mickle to reach us. Lastly, we would love your support across all our social media accounts at Real Dan Mickle for all of Dan Mickle's social media accounts and at 717Soul for Soul Performance Academy. Thank you. And now here is your host, Dan Mickle. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Mental Cast, powered by Soul Performance Academy. I am your host, Dan Mickle, and I am stoked that you decided to take the time out of your busy day and your busy life to listen to this episode of The Mental Cast. We are on Season 4, Episode 2. This one is entitled Legos and Scrabble. Before we begin, I'd love to remind everyone how you can reach us at 717soul across all social media at real dan mickle for me directly and you can always use the hashtags ask717soul and ask dan mickle and you can visit the website 717soul.com and danmickle.com and we would love it if you would subscribe comment share review everything you can possibly do to help us increase the visibility of this great podcast that is designed to talk about some of the leading topics in coaching, lifelong learning, and education. All right, so let's get into the Legos and Scrabble concept. I hate Legos and Scrabble. despise them. There's probably no other toy and no other board game that I instantly want to run away from than Legos and Scrabble. Almost always have. I can't remember a time where I actually enjoyed playing with Legos. And I don't remember a time I actually enjoyed sitting down playing a game of Scrabble. Now, before the Lego company and Hasbro or whoever owns all them start to come at me, literally, it's not you, it's me. It has nothing to do with the concept or the actual products. They're both designed great and serve a great purpose. Here's the problem. What I thought originally was my issue with both of them was a fear of failure, that I couldn't design anything with Legos. Everything I made was just a big brick with wheels. And like, here comes the big brick mobile, you know, this big, huge, square, non-aerodynamic, vehicle. That's pretty much what I made every time. Or I just made a very long column that I could whack other kids with. Um, it wasn't for the lack of creativity. In my mind, I could see what I wanted to make. I just could never make it actually happen. And man, 
all that stuff that they show on those boxes, the Millennium Falcon or the big castles with the knights, is like taunting me. Like, you'll never make this. Even if I followed it step by step, all 300 pages of their little booklets, it wasn't coming out like that. It just never would. And Scrabble, my words were like cat, dog. Today, if we played Scrabble today, most of my words were probably three or four letter words. So I just didn't do them. I didn't play with Legos. I didn't. I don't play Scrabble. And for the longest time, I thought it was just because I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to make these things. And I wasn't going to live up to my expectations. Or I was afraid that I wouldn't have, you know, these big words in Scrabble. So I just didn't play. But here's the thing. What was really the issue was not the fear of failure. It was the fear of people's opinions. I wasn't scared to make Legos that looked like big blocks of nothing with wheels on it. I was more worried about what people were going to say about my big block wheeled Lego car. I wasn't worried about playing the word cat because of my score, or I was going to lose the game, I was afraid to play the word cat because people would think that that was what my vocabulary was limited to. And I started to realize that most of the fears that I started to have in life were not fears of failing. They were fears of what people would think of me if I failed. And there's a big distinction there, right? Because fear of failing, I can fix, I think, a little bit easier. I can see what my path is. I can see how hard I've been working over time. So kind of keeping with, you know, a positive growth mindset, I guess, as much as I hate to use that term and throw it around there because it's overused right now. But I think that's a little bit easier to fix. Fear of people's opinions is tough because you can't fix other people. They're going to have their opinions. And it just became very apparent to me that I was never going to change people's opinions on a lot of things. So I had to really look at how I approach things and what I need to do. And... We'll talk a little bit about what I changed and and how I got on a different path. But it really had affected me from creating my websites and what I sent out to email. I still have those issues, but I've learned to manage them and for the most part, learned to move past them. But I still get a little red flag raised up on a lot of things. Hey, are you sure you want to offer this product? What are people going to think? Why would anyone come to listen to you speak? And that's probably my biggest one right now. You know, we talk about imposter syndrome. And I think, well, I know, not scientifically, but it's pretty obvious, I think, to put them together, that imposter syndrome and fear of people's opinions kind of go hand in hand. 
And it's funny because the more I think about when I'm getting up in front of a group, say at a convention or a seminar, and I'm going to speak or I'm in front of a bunch of coaches, my mindset hasn't been imposter syndrome as much as it used to be. You know, that, that part that goes through, you don't know this. Why are you even speaking on this? This isn't in your wheelhouse. Really switched to what are people going to think about this? What I, I try and think about every objection that I'm going to have at a talk and how I'm going to overcome that. And I started to realize that I'm being driven by what people think. It's not about what I know or don't know. It becomes more about what are going to be the opinions of the topic I'm speaking on. Before we get into kind of working it out and and how we manage this fear, let's talk about what is FOPO or fear of people's opinions. From a dictionary standpoint, it's allodoxophobia. And that's Greek for allo, meaning different, dox, meaning opinion, and obviously phoba, which is comes from the Greek god of fear. Um, so we put that all together, and we have fear of people's opinions, or allodoxophobia. What are some of the symptoms? And they vary, just like anything else. People with the fear of opinions... Um, and that phobia kind of live in constant fear and anxiety. So anxiety becomes a part of it. You're going to have the same symptoms that you do with anxiety. But it's it's really the anxiety of hearing people's opinions about them. And they often realize that their phobia is unfounded and irrational, but we're still unable to overcome it. We know what we're thinking is ridiculous, but it still controls us. And that's the problem. You know... A lot of times you'll have people that mean well and try and help you. And the first thing they say is, you know this, you can do this, just power through it. It's, but it's really not that simple. We know that it's a ridiculous fear. We know that we're having these doubts, but we still can't overcome them. And that is part of the problem. So what are some of the symptoms? And again, a lot of these will look much like typical anxiety symptoms. We'll have sweaty palms, accelerated heart rate, rapid breathing. We'll feel sick. We'll feel nauseated. And we'll get, sometimes we'll get really angry when opinion is expressed. And it doesn't even matter if it's a good or bad opinion. We get angry because someone's actually expressing their opinion. And we kind of trigger that flight or fight, right? Where we either just avoid the situations. We stop speaking or we stop coaching or we stop teaching because we just won't want to be put in that position where we have opinions blasted at us. And then obviously that helps feed our insecurity and our lack of self-esteem. So see how it kind of all rolls in. We, we, we think of anxiety as this one thing. And then we think of fear of people's opinion as another and you know, fear of failure as another, but they're really just all part of the same big puzzle. And this is where we have to be careful, especially as coaches, because 
we want to lump it all together. And I see it every single day on social media. In literally probably every coaching or teaching or training or education group I'm in online, at least once a week, someone says, oh, I have a player or I have a student or I have a pupil that has anxiety and I want to help them with their anxiety and what should I do? And then, you know, there's 400 comments from just random people telling this coach, this is what you should do. You should do this drill or you should have them do this, or this is how you should modify your practice, or this is what you need to do. But the problem is we're looking at it too generalized. How I work with clients that have fear of failure is different than how I work with clients with fear of people's opinions or who have performance anxiety. They're all different. We can't just lump in and say, this is how we're going to work on it, or this is how we're going to fix it. Each one is consistently different. So we first actually need to take the time and take the real time and find out what's going on. Is it actual fear of failure type anxiety or is it fear of opinions? Are they worried about what I'm going to think? Because I can change that. If I'm an educator, I can change that. And hopefully, example to my, my group that while I may render my opinion, it's more of a feedback to help you. It doesn't matter which way it goes for me. But I think a lot of times especially in coaches that have coached a long time, we lose sight of that because we just automatically have our program and how we do things. And we expect new people that come into the program just to automatically start to assimilate this in knowledge and figure out what our program's like. And we kind of forget about this might be something unique or new to that person. And we need to take the time to work on that. For parents, how we can help is we kind of need to to set up an environment that's going to let them grow and get away from this this fear. And really, it starts with self-reflection. Because if we're always focusing on what other people are telling us, and we don't have the ability or the knowledge on how to actually self-reflect, we have nothing to combat that. We can't say, yes, that's your opinion, but this is how I feel because we haven't given them the skills how to effectively have self-reflection. So we need to set up times and skills in the person's life that teach them self-reflection, whether that's you know a journal or video blogging or just honestly mindfulness meditation to help them really look at the no you know where they're at in the now and and how they can actually look at what they're going through and have that internal feedback. So first that, that's the first thing that parents can do. And we'll talk a little bit more in a second about, you know, coaches and and the training environment, but at home encourage them to have self-reflection. Don't just offer your opinion as a parent right away. See what they're feeling first. Let them get that out. Broaden their horizons. And honestly, I think 
while most coaches talk about, and, and I get it because of what I do and how my mind thinks, but when most coaches talk about the multi-sport athlete, they think about the training and the physical and how the muscles get different movements in different sports and keeping active year-round. But for me, I think the multi-sport athlete has the biggest advantage in this area of having just broadened their horizons. And that's going to help them cope with a lot of people's opinions. Now, you might think that, well, okay, so if I'm playing volleyball and I'm playing basketball, you know, I'm going to have all the opinions of the volleyball people, and then I'm going to have all the opinions of the basketball people. So that's just going to be more opinions. That's going to bring more stress into it. But really what happens is the the multi-sport athlete has more avenues and more ways now to cope with some of these opinions. They're exposed to more opinions and they start to realize how, how little of value those opinions bring to them and their performance and their training because they're more exposed to it. And it also gives them another outlet. There's a good chance that they're probably a little bit better at one sport than the other. So when they're getting all these opinions about one sports, their mind can think, well, yeah, but I'm so much better at this sport. And it kind of helps calm it. So broadening their horizons, having them do other things, it doesn't even have to be multiple sports. It can be multiple activities. Maybe they write songs or they write poetry. They do something else to kind of help just broaden their audience and and kind of almost dilute the other people's opinions. And finally, it's just another way to keep it all in perspective. We have to really learn to understand that how I'm living my life and what I'm doing is unique to me. And I have to realize that that person's opinion is based on what they see of me, but not the deep dive. What they see for those 20 minutes or 30 minutes or that hour on the court or on the field has what led them to that opinion. They don't see the work in the training room, the the toughness of being a student athlete, everything else that you put into your craft, they don't see. They don't see behind the curtains. You know, it's kind of like the Disney fallacy. You go to Disney and everything's clean, everything's, you know, beautiful working together and everything comes together. You go behind the scenes, behind the stage at Disney, and it's a mess just like anywhere else. Things being worked on, um, things not finished, things not looking right, but it's hidden from the public. So our opinion is solely based on what is facing us at the moment, and that's what we have with a lot of fans, parents, officials, are basing everything just on those brief moments that they see you on the quarter field and not everything you put in it. So the biggest thing for parents is help to foster that, hey, just remember, they don't see all the work you're putting in. They don't see all the seat time in the car driving to this practice and this training and this extra training. They don't see how hard you're working on your grades and how that takes a toll on you or how late you go to bed because you have to do homework and how early you have to get up to catch the bus to go to school. So just keep fostering that environment of, People don't see the whole picture, so don't take a lot of value in what they say. All right. And again, this is talking about all those outside voices. We're not talking about feedback or direction from a coaching staff or a nutritionist or your you know physical therapist. We're talking just about the general public and what they see 
and those fears. Because those are typically where the biggest fears come. Usually, you know, the fear of what your coach is going to say is kind of taken away once the season starts. Now, that's not to say it doesn't linger or doesn't rear its head once in a while. But most of the time when we see problems with fear of people's opinion, it's the general public or just random people that become debilitating. It's not those that are working with you or your close, you know, inner circle. So that brings us to the final part of this episode, which is, so now what? You know, what do we do? We, We now have gone through kind of my story, what led me to doing this. We've gone through you know, the basics of what is FOPO. And really, you could go down a rabbit hole with studies and science, and I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do your own research. Don't just take my word for it. I want to be a primer or a spark for your learning path on things that we talk about. I don't want to be the definitive answer for you. I want you to learn this. So now what? What are some of the treatment or methods that we can use to help deal with this. And first and foremost, if it's debilitating or it's affecting your life more than just your, you know, artistic or athletic career, look for clinical treatment. Find a clinical psychologist or even a psychiatrist and see if they can work with you. Because it may be a lot deeper of an issue and the FOPO is just literally a symptom of something larger or bigger or general anxiety. Do not be afraid to speak with a counselor or a therapist or a psychologist. Getting help is a good thing. We have to get in that mindset. So that's first. If, if it's severe and debilitating, check for clinical treatment. And then five kind of little tips that we can look at is make sure you're focusing on what matters. And again, I know that's simple to say. It's hard to block out. But begin by thinking about what matters most about what you're doing. Sometimes we just end up doing things because it's expected or we've just always done it. So we're going to continue to do it. And that helps trigger some of these other issues that we have. If we don't like what we're doing, we're probably going to take things like other people's opinions more to heart. Because if we're really passionate about what we're doing, we're focused on it. We know the backstory. We know the hard work that we're putting in. And maybe we're not where we're going to be yet but we don't tend to put too much into other people's opinions at that point. The next thing to remember is a lot of people don't pay attention. So even though you're in a full packed gym playing, you know, in front of a bunch of people or you're on the field and there's a, a, a large crowd watching, most of them probably aren't paying attention and they're certainly not paying attention to everything. So we have to remember that they may be forming their opinions not only on a limited scale because they don't know all the hard work that you put in and the training that you do. They're also really not paying attention while you're doing it. 
I mean, think about how many times you've looked up and you've seen people with their faces buried in their cell phones or their iPads. So not only are they not aware of everything that you put in, they're just not aware in real time of what you're doing either. They're just these quick little segments of what's going on. Keep it in perspective. Most of you aren't getting paid to do what you're doing as a passion. Most athletes aren't paid as athletes. There's a small percentage, of course, that become professional athletes. But keep it in perspective. Who cares what the guy in the stand thinks because he's not paying your tuition. He's not taking you and bringing you back from school. You're going to be a, 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 a veterinarian after you graduate. So who cares what his opinion of you as a basketball player is or as a lacrosse player? doesn't really matter. It's not going to stop you from doing what you're doing or your dreams. So we need to keep it in perspective. Number four is my favorite because it's probably the simplest, but sometimes the hardest. If you don't want people's opinions to affect you, don't ask for their opinions. Ignore them. Don't ask them how they thought you did. Don't seek out their comments on social media. If it affects you negatively, then avoid it. If you're allergic to eggs, don't eat eggs, right? Same thing goes with opinions. If opinions become debilitating and hurt you, then just don't ask for opinions or don't look for the opinions. Skip through them. I have friends that are theater you know, majors or people that have been on Broadway, and they just don't read the reviews because they know how it affects them. Sure, they want to read the reviews about their play or their musical and hope that they're glowing reviews, but the chance that they're going to be negative affects them so badly, they just don't read them, and that's okay. If Bob in the back row doesn't like how you sing a song, are you going to change how you sing it for Bob? course not. Now, if your coach or someone close to you offers their opinion, then you probably take a little bit to it and think, oh, maybe I should work on this or I should train a little bit more. But who cares about the rando sitting in the back, back row shouting out? That's their life. That's what they're living for. They're living to be that noise. So again, if you're afraid of people's opinions and it affects you negatively, just stop asking them for their opinion or stop reading their opinion. Know the difference between opinion and feedback. Feedback brings value. Feedback brings instruction. Opinion is just someone telling you what they think. So you need to learn the difference between those two and who to trust and who to ignore in those situations. And then, of course, the last one is just mindfulness and living in the moment. If you just take the time and focus on what you're doing in the moment and stopping all that outside noise... That's going to help you out. So again, clinical treatment, if it's severe, focus on what matters. Remember that people really don't pay that much attention to what's going on, especially now with all our smart devices. Keep everything in perspective. Know why you're doing it and what your end goal in life is and what your end goal in that activity is. Maybe you're just going to play through high school and you'll never play your sport again. So keep that in mind. Oh, well, that guy can think I stink as a goalie, but guess what? Two more games and I'm no longer a goalie. 
So keep it in perspective. Stop asking for opinions if opinions affect you. You can't ask and hope that they're all good, so why take the risk and just don't ask at all? And then study mindfulness and kind of living in the moment. Okay, so that's our big bulk of the treatment part. Now, specifically, what do we do as coaches or educators when we have to come up with this? And this kind of goes back to the parenting for the first part in that we need to give our teams and players time to have reflection. Let them have those moments, whether it's journaling before and after practice or giving them some time mid-practice to kind of write down things or gather their thoughts. Or maybe it's just a matter of when you want to speak to the team or offer out some of your thoughts and opinions as a coach to them, give them a minute or two to collect their thoughts and get things together before you start handing out those opinions. And that's one of the things that I've been as a coach, as an athletic coach, working on a lot more is not just instantly going straight from action to feedback. Um, I, I want to give them a few moments to run it through their mind, like what they just did, what they would have done better, or you know what they thought about before I start getting into it. Because a lot of times we start just throwing out opinions and feedback at players, and they haven't even had time to process what they did. So we're trying to tell them what they can correct, but their mind hasn't processed yet what they've actually done to correct. So we need to kind of give that that space a little bit more. And the other thing, and I know I, I, I talked about John Kessel before, but one of the things that John Kessel has really taught me is thinking more about feed forward. Instead of watching my players do a skill and then giving them the feedback on the skill, I have gone more to a feed forward model where before they attempt the skill, I tell them what they want. Hey, I think you'll be more successful if you do A, B, and C. Okay, go out there and go do it. Versus, okay, I watched what you did, and here's what you need to fix, A, B, C, and D. I think you'll find once they get used to having feed forward versus feedback, it's a little bit more of a positive model. I'm not saying by any stretch of imagination that feedback is always negative or feedback is bad. But we do get in that habit of as soon as a player does something and we start to speak, the switch in the player's mind goes off and they're like, okay, here comes coach to tell me what I did wrong again. So a lot of times, for example, I will be, okay, Julie, I need you to do this technique and this is how I want you to execute it. And then my feedback is literally, awesome, you nailed it. Or, okay, you're getting there, just kind of rethink those steps and let's try it again. Versus the, okay, Julie, this is what you did and I think these are the things that you need to fix. Now, I know in my voice, I already give out that feeling of negativity and I really try not to. Um, but, but that's a part that you know I'm still working on, switching this model. But I've definitely seen better results and better attitudes from my players 
once they figure it out. Because again, this is something that most players don't have. So they might come into your program and you start doing feed forward and it's kind of foreign and weird. And it may not feel beneficial to them because they think it's better for them to do the skill and then you correct it versus telling them and reminding them what you want them to do before they do it. So that might be something that you struggle with teaching that to your team, how to accept and understand feed forward versus feedback. So to end this episode, there is a happy ending in the sense that as someone that that really did, and, and it goes back to the Legos and the Scrabble, I would be worried that people would think I was stupid because my words were so small or so basic. My vocabulary was basic. And it wasn't a fear of putting those tiles down. It was a fear of putting those tiles down and then hearing what people thought of it. And the Legos were more a fear of, man, if I show this to someone, they're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to think that I'm pitiful. I can't make a simple car that looks like a car. It was never about the challenge of using the Legos to make things. It was never about the challenge of Scrabble that caused my anxiety and my issues. It was the anxiety of what were people going to think of it. I still have it every single day. I have it right now as I record this. What are people going to say about this podcast? What are people going to think? What flaws are they going to pick out? What sounds did they hear in the background? Oh, he didn't edit that. Or I heard him cough. Or he misspoke. He used the wrong word. All those things go through my head. They always have. And in the past, they have always held me back. I wouldn't record this episode because I wanted it to be perfect. I no longer let those fears control me. Again, I still have them that pop into my mind. They just don't affect me anymore. I don't care what the comments are. I hope that every review on iTunes and Google Play and Pandora are great, but I know they're not going to be. It's the nature of the world, especially social media and the internet. But I realize that what I do may help someone, may affect someone. And more importantly, it helps me. Having these talks out loud are probably just as therapeutic for me as the people that I'm trying to help. And that's what I let guide me now. I realize that people are going to fast forward this. They're going to play it at two times speed or 1.5 times speed. They're not going to catch everything. And that's how they're going to form their opinions. So they're not forming their opinions based on the whole picture, just these little, you know, snippets. So the bottom line is that it is going to take some serious practice, patience, and time, but you can get away from it. You can let it not control you. And it's specific. I went through this coaching wise and I got over it probably a few years ago. The whole podcasting thing is starting to become pretty easy in in this aspect. It's a lot harder than I think a lot of people expect in other aspects. But from this, the fear of other people's opinions and all that, that aspect of things have gotten lighter. And it's because I've put it in perspective and I've reflected 
okay, this is what I could have done better on this episode. I know what I need to work on and hopefully it will get better. But the thing is I took the time and put practices in place to help me deal with it instead of just trying to power through it and just get through it. The old rub some dirt on it and get back out there on the field, kid. I'm taking the time to reflect and figure out. And that has helped with this episode. And it has helped with what I'm doing in life. Now, I will tell you, I still hate Legos. And again, I apologize to the Lego people. It's, it's not a bad product. It's awesome. I still can't make a car. I look at the Harry Potter sets and I'm like, man, that'd be awesome. But I would be miserable putting it together. And I'll play Scrabble once in a while. I'll play Words with Friends. And I just realized that it's the value of playing the game and not the outcome. Now, if I was playing Scrabble for a million dollars, that would be different. But I play Word with Friends, knowing full well that I am probably going to get shellacked. And that's what I continue to work on. So I hope that this episode helps you. And for those of you that have, you know, these issues and maybe some of the debilitating factors that go along with the, the whole aspect of fear of people's opinions, I hope this episode at least shines a light on it. And maybe there's one or two things that you can take away from this and think, okay, this is this is how I can move forward and at least begin that path. That's my goal of this episode. It wasn't to, hey, here's the magic formula everyone's fixed. But it's, I want you and I want coaches to understand that there is a huge difference between fear of people's opinions and fear of failure. And we can't treat them the same way. Some things that we can do, we can do for both of them. But when you're reading these comments online and trying to quote-unquote, fix players and fix people. Start to think about that. It's not always the same. How you would treat a physical injury is very specific to what is injured. And that's what we need to understand about mental health issues. It's not just generic. Anxiety isn't just anxiety. There's different anxiety and there's different ways to treat it. And we need to start looking at it that way. Or at least find someone that you can refer your players to so that they can work on it. But spend some time and figure out the root cause and what's really going on and then begin to develop a plan. All right. That brings us to the end of Episode 2 of Season 4, Legos and Scrabble, powered by Soul Performance Academy. Make sure you check them out soulperformanceacademy.com or if you're lazy like I am you can just do 717soul.com and it'll take you to the same website across all social media at 717soul and you can hit me up directly danmickle.com and across all social media at realdanmickle and use the hashtags ask717soul and askdanmickle and check out our other podcasts, The Proper Atmosphere at properatmosphere.com, a short form podcast where we answer directly the questions that you send in on mental training and mental health and a ton of other topics, lifelong learning and education. It is a great 
podcast, especially if you like those really quick episodes, usually about 15 minutes. And again, thank you so much for taking time out of your day and your busy life. It does mean a lot to me that you listen. And again, I would love if you wouldn't mind sharing, retweeting, um, rating us, and yes, even writing reviews that I will be scared to read, but I will read them anyway. Again, thank you so much for tuning in to The Mental Cast. I'm your host, Dan Mickle, and see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Mental Cast. We hope you enjoyed it. We would love for you to like, share, and leave a review for this episode to help boost our exposure. And remember, you can reach out to us with the hashtags Ask717Soul and AskDanMickle. And you may also email your questions to podcast at 717Soul or podcast at DanMickle to reach us. And we may use your questions for future episodes. Thank you, and we look forward to bringing you more episodes in the future.